0: good morning morning. today's scripture reading comes from john chapter 13 verses 36 to 38 simon peter asked him lord where are you going jesus replied where i am going you cannot follow now but you will follow later peter asked lord why can't i follow you now i will lay down my life for you then jesus answered will you really lay down your life for me Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Please bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and we hope that we can all be safe and healthy. Thank you for gathering us together as a church to learn your word, Lord. Please help those who need your support and those down in Mexico as we come here to learn about you and to learn about Christ. Please let this virus go away, and thank you so much for all the many blessings you've done for us. In Jesus' name, I send the prayer, Amen. amen.
1: Well, good morning and welcome once again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. Can I just say you guys sound amazing this morning. Give yourselves a round of applause. You guys sounded great this morning during worship, and thank you, Brandon, for, for setting the tone for us here this morning. I love that last song that we, that we sang that's all about building your kingdom here. Let the church be on fire. And we should be on fire for the Lord. And I just love that song so much. I think it, it may be one of the new anthems uh, of the church. But I think if you listen to those words, just, there's so much power in that song. And I hope that as you're singing these songs, you're thinking about those words. And you're really thinking about the meaning behind the songs that we're singing. So now that I've gone off on a tangent, let's talk about today. If you were here with us last week, you know that we celebrated Easter and we had a great crowd last week, and, and I'm so thankful to see uh, so many of you back here today on this beautiful spring Sunday morning. And and last week we talked about, uh, we talked a lot about Mary, and we talked about how Mary got to be the first person to witness the empty. And we talked about how Jesus meets us in the midst of our despair, in the midst of our darkest times. When we think we have nothing to cling to, Jesus shows up at just the right time. And it's amazing that he does that. Because we may not always understand his timing, and we may not always like his timing, but his timing is always perfect. And Mary, when she was in her deepest despair, to the point that she didn't even recognize Jesus is when Jesus showed up because he knew that's when she needed him the most. We're going to continue this idea, this concept of resurrecting hope. And that's all about the hope that we have from Easter. It's not about the Easter holiday in and of itself. It's about the fact that Jesus did exactly what he was going to say that what he said he was going to do, that he truly overcame death, that he defeated the grave, and after three days he rose again, giving us the hope that we have here today. We're going to look at another piece of this story today. And as you probably guessed by the title, part two of our series is Do You Love Me? And we're going to talk a little bit about Simon Peter this morning. Now, I just want to say I think sometimes Simon Peter gets a bad rap. Um, Many of you know the story that we're going to talk about, but let's talk just a little bit about Peter. Now, we know that Peter tended to be uh, an emotional fellow, and some would even say an irrational fellow. And I think that sometimes we forget about all the great things that he did, and we focus on some of these uh, mistakes that Peter made. But just like you and I, he was a flawed person. But he was a flawed person who lived his life for Jesus And that's what I want to spend some time looking at this morning, is despite his flaws, Peter lived his life for Jesus. See, Peter had some things going on, right? Now, we all know this story, and we all know kind of how this story plays out. We know that in just a few minutes, we're going to talk about the fact that, as Landon read earlier, Peter's going to actually deny Jesus three times, He's going to deny him three times. But I want us to think a little bit about some of the things that he was dealing with. Now, Peter was dealing with the fact of losing Jesus, his mentor, his friend, his confidant, his brother. That would have taken a toll on him. He was disappointed by the actions of Judas, right? That his, that his brother in arms, his, his fellow apostle, would betray Jesus. Jesus and ultimately send him to his death so he had some of these things weighing on his mind he's heartbroken that he thinks that the other side won because see even his closest apostles still didn't get it that Jesus was going to come back and and Peter's thinking that the enemy won the people that wanted Jesus killed won here I've spent the last three and a half years following this man around believing everything that he says hanging on his every word and now he's gone we've lost. It's over. You can imagine some of the despair that he was feeling. And then let's think about this, the mistake that he made. He denied Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. And just like in baseball, right? Three strikes and you're out but think about how he must have been feeling when he did that. Because let's just get real honest with ourselves this morning. Let's just be transparent with ourselves this morning. We've done the same thing. Now, we may not have come right out and said, oh, no, I don't know Jesus, but we have denied him in our own ways, and we've made mistakes. And I want you to think about that. When you've made mistakes in relationships in your life, when you've made mistakes, it weighs so heavily on you. And that must be how Peter was feeling. He knew what he had done. He knew what he'd done. He'd made a mistake, just like you and I make mistakes. And that had to be just really weighing him down. But as we're going to see, as we look at our story this morning, as we unpack this idea of relationships, what we're going to see is that Christ can fix those relationships. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when you see this sign, it kind of gives you some PTSD about moving. Right. Anybody there like this is the worst thing on the earth, right, is, is moving, I hate moving. I hate it with a passion. Did I mention I hate moving? I hate moving. But you've seen this sign. Right. And what happens when you're when you're moving or even worse, when you're helping someone else move? Right. You kind of avoid those boxes that say fragile. Oh, I'll go over and get this or I'd rather move the couch because I don't want to touch that box that says fragile. But our relationships are fragile. Our relationships with each other are fragile. We know that it only takes what? One mistake, one harsh word, one irrational thought can ruin a relationship that can be challenging to put back together. And we could probably all think of a time in our lives and our relationships that we've done that. We've said an unkind word. We've said something out of anger. We've let our emotions get the best of us and we've damaged these relationships that can be so fragile. Relationships are hard, right? Whether it's a a spousal relationship, whether it's a mother and, and, and son, a mother and daughter, a father and son, a father and daughter, relationships are hard, right? They're hard. We have to put ourselves out there. You have to invest in a relationship. You have to say you're sorry. You have to admit that you've made mistakes. And then what do you have to do? You have to work to rebuild those relationships. And today's story is all about the relationship between Peter and Jesus and how that relationship was damaged to the point that some people would say that's beyond repair. But what did Jesus do? He met Peter right where he was. And spoiler alert, he fixed the relationship. But he offers that to you and me as well. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 18. And we're going to pick up in verse 15. Again, John chapter 18, verse 15. Now, remember what Landon read for us earlier, right? And I had him read that for a reason, because then we can skip over that part and get on to the next part. But Jesus had already told Peter, look, you say you love me, but you're going to deny me three times. And you imagine if you're Peter, he's probably going, no way, Lord, I would never do that. Lord, that's not me. I'm not that guy. I'm not going to do that to you. But let's pick up in John chapter 18, verse 15. It says, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. It says, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. It says, the other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. Verse 17 goes on to say, you aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. And he replied, I am not. Peter said, nope, I don't know Jesus. Nope, I'm not a follower of Jesus. She came right out and point blank asked him, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And he said, nope, not at all. You got the wrong guy, not me. He said, I am not. Go ahead and pick up in verse 25. We're going to jump down just a little bit to verse 25. So John chapter 18 says, Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, You aren't one of the disciples too, are you? And he denied it, saying, I am not. There's number two, right? Jesus has already said, You're going to deny me three times. And here we've already read that Peter has denied him twice. But as we pick up verse 26, it says, One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. Small world, right? <laughs> this guy's a relative of, of the guy who Peter lopped off his ear. Oh yeah, we were talking about irrational and emotional, how Peter can be sometimes, right? Remember he cut off the guy's ear in the garden? Well, guess what? Now he runs into one of his relatives. And he says, didn't I see you with him in the garden? And again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the rooster began to crow. So Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, one of Jesus' closest friends who no doubt loved Jesus and Jesus loved him. Remember, Jesus had handpicked Peter to be one of his followers. Peter's just denied him, not once, not twice, but three times. Why do you think Peter did that? Now, remember what we, had, what we had just talked about, right? What have what we just talked about with all of the things that were probably weighing heavily on Peter? And again, we know that Peter is a little bit emotional, and maybe you might even say a little bit irrational. He did cut the guy's ear off. You have to put yourself in Peter's shoes. He was fearing for his life. And sometimes when that adrenaline kicks in, and you're fearing for your life, you say and you do things that you might not normally do. And I have to think that's probably a little bit of what Peter had going on here. He was scared. He was afraid. He was afraid of what they might do to him if they figured out who he really was. And that brings us to our first point. Our lives can be confirmation or denial of our connection to Jesus. The life that you and I live each and every single day either points to Jesus or points away from Jesus. It either points to Jesus or it points away from Jesus. So I asked you this question this morning. How do we deny Christ? And you might be thinking to yourself, well, I'm good. I don't ever tell people there's no Jesus or that I don't know Jesus. But how do we just like Peter, deny Christ. See, when we we say things, and when we do things, and when we talk in a manner that doesn't give glory to God, what are we doing? We're denying Christ, much like Peter did. See, anytime you and I don't live a life that's pleasing and acceptable to God, we're basically denying Christ when we're ashamed of our faith, when we hide our faith, we're denying Christ much the way that Peter did. We're denying our faith. We're denying who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. I want to share a quote with you. It says, The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. The greatest single cause of atheism is Christians. It says, Who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and they walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. It says, this is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. The single greatest cause of atheism is Christians. Let that sink in for just a minute. Because as we just talked about, our lives do one of two things. We either point to Jesus or we point away from Jesus. And what this quote is saying is that if you're, not living, if you're not living out the words of the Bible, if you're not living out your faith, if it's only lip service, then you're turning people away from Jesus. We talked a few weeks ago about stumbling blocks. When you're a hypocrite, It causes a stumbling block block. because you're saying one thing and doing another. And we all know the old saying, right? Actions speak what? Louder than words. You can say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian all you want. But if your lifestyle doesn't back that up, if everything that you say and do isn't pointing back to Jesus, then are we truly living that out or are we denying Christ? See, what do our daily lives say about our connection to Jesus? Say you had a coworker, and it comes up in conversation, and you go, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Would they be thinking, well, that makes sense? Or would they be thinking, really? You're a Christian? (laughs) Okay. Okay. And we chuckle about that, and we kind of giggle about that, but we've all met people like that, right? Sometimes celebrities, right, they claim to be, oh, I'm a Christian, I give it all to God, and what do they do the next day? You know, they're in the paper for some scandalous activity that they've been doing. But what does your life tell others? Whether it's your coworkers, the people you go to school with, your friends, your neighbors, what would your neighbors say? Would they say, oh, yeah, yeah, That's a good Christian family. Or would they say, ooh, I don't know about the things going on over there. What do our lives say about us? And more importantly, what do our lives say about our relationship to Jesus Christ? Let's jump forward in John chapter 21. We're going to go to John chapter 21, starting in verse 1. It says, afterwards, Jesus appeared to his disciples. It says, by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. It says, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. It says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, We'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. A couple things that we need to look at here. Number one, what was Peter doing after Christ was crucified and put in the grave? He went back to his old life and went fishing. Because that's what Peter knew. Peter was a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman until the day that this Jesus fellow showed up and said, hey, put down your nets and I'll make you a fisher of men. But after Jesus died and Peter lost that hope, instead of being out telling everybody that would listen about Jesus, he basically just said, I guess it's over. I'm going to go fishing. Now, I wonder what kind of fishing trip this must have been. And for those of you that fish, you know what I'm talking about. They fished all night, caught nothing. So not only were they having a bad day, right? Because Jesus had just been killed, and they thought it was over, and they thought the other team had won, but they also didn't catch anything. They didn't catch anything. Verse 4 says, Early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Much like our story from last week, right? Mary thought Jesus was who? She thought he was the gardener, right? And now his disciples don't recognize him. Because again, they're grieving. They're grieving and they're upset. And they're not expecting Jesus to be there because people didn't just come back to life and start walking around after they were dead. But see, Jesus wasn't just anyone. Verse 5 says, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? So he, you know, rubbing a little salt in the wound. He didn't catch anything. Hey, did you catch anything? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. So here these guys have been fishing all night, didn't catch anything. Morning comes along, you know they're tired. They probably just want to go have some breakfast, maybe take a nap. And here's this guy on the shore saying, hey, try the other side. You know, it's like when you're out fishing and somebody goes, hey, did you try that other bait? It's way better. So Jesus says, hey, throw your nets on the other side. And they caught so many fish that they couldn't haul the nets in. It says, then the the, the disciple whom whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord, and as soon as Simon Peter heard him say that, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, it says, and he jumped into the water. The one person that should have been terrified that Jesus was back, because of his own actions, right, because of his own doing, what did he do? As soon as he realized it was Jesus, jumped out of the boat. He was so excited at the chance to reconnect with Jesus that he literally jumped out of the boat. It says, The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. It says, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, and they were there with fish on it and some bread. So see, Jesus met them on the shoreline. Because just like he knew that Mary needed him, he knew that Peter needed him as well. And he goes to the shoreline. And I love the fact that Jesus is there cooking fish. Because what does that remind us about Jesus and who he really was? He was a servant. He could have easily just waited for them to get back off the boats and told one of them, hey, Go cook up some fish. I'm hungry. But he didn't. He welcomed them. And I can just see Jesus sitting on the shore, right? And he knows that Peter's coming. And Peter has literally jumped out of the boat and probably swam the fastest 100 yards ever swam to get to Jesus. And I can just see Jesus there with a smile on his face. Welcoming him back to the shore. That's how I see that in my head. Now, I don't know if that's exactly how it went down. I have no idea if Jesus was smiling or not. But in my head, I have to believe that seeing Peter jump out of that boat to come to him had to make Jesus very happy. And he was ready to welcome Peter back to the shore. See, Jesus's grace restores our hope. Jesus's grace, his never-ending, undeserving Grace restores our hope. And when Peter saw him from the boat, he literally jumped into the water because Peter had, ho- had hope again because here was Jesus and Jesus was basically calling out to him saying, come back to me. Reminds us of the story of the prodigal son, right? What did the father do? He, op- he welcomed him back with open arms. Jesus is doing the very same thing with Peter. See, the miracle of Easter is that because of the resurrection of Jesus, all of our broken relationships can be restored. All of your broken relationships, all of my broken relationships, can be restored because of what Jesus did for us. And this story that we're walking through this morning as we kind of walk alongside of Peter is powerful for you and I because we've had those times where we've denied Jesus. We've had those times where we've turned our back on Jesus. But every time... He's there to welcome us back because he already paid the price. See, Jesus will meet you on the shore. He'll meet you on the shore, regardless of what you've done, regardless of the mistakes that you've made, regardless of the relationships that have failed in your life or your own shortcomings or what you perceive as shortcomings. The hope of Easter is that Jesus will come to the shore just like he did for Peter, and he will welcome you back. See, that is what hope is is all about. John chapter 21, we're going to pick up verse 15. It says, and when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, now, again, put yourself in Peter's shoes, right? He knows this is coming, right? As soon as he gets to shore, he knows this is coming, but Jesus is cool about it. He says, hey, let's get something to eat first. Let's get something to eat first. But you know this whole time, Peter is biting his nails and a little nervous about this conversation that starts. And you know, as soon as Jesus says, Simon Peter, he kind of went, oh, here we go. But here we see an incredible story of Jesus's grace. It says, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus says, if you love me, then you're going to serve just like I serve. You're going to go out and feed the lambs. You're going to go out and feed the sheep. You're going to go out and teach people about me. Verse 16 says, again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. He's giving him an invitation. He's giving him a call to action. And he's reminding him about the importance of serving. Verse 17 says, then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him this the third time. Time. Anybody have kids that ask you the same question over and over and over again? Right? And you start to get annoyed after a while. Can we go outside now? Can we go outside now? Can we go outside now? So Peter's starting to get annoyed, right? Because Jesus keeps asking them. So he's feeling hurt, right? He's feeling hurt because he's already told Jesus, yes, I love you, and yet Jesus is asking him again. It says Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. He's acknowledging, look, Lord, you know everything. You know what's in my heart. I don't even have to say the words. It says, you know that I love you. And Jesus again says, feed my sheep. It says, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. It says, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you wherever you go. So as Jesus said this, to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Now there's a couple things at play here. Number one, why did Jesus ask him that question three times? Because Peter had denied him three times. See, this was by design. Jesus is basically like, look, you denied me three times. You're going to acknowledge me three times. He's basically making things right. And then what does he do? He ends it by saying, follow me. Now, that may sound a little bit strange. But remember how Jesus and Peter's relationship started? It started with what? Come follow me and I'll make you fisher of men. We've come full circle. Peter has denied him, Jesus has forgiven him, and once again invited him back to follow me. Come follow me, Peter. He's basically saying, look, let's start over, we're good. Now let's do the work that we've set out to do. See, there's two kinds of love in this story. Now, you've got to dig a little bit deep to find this, but if you look back at the original Greek of this text, The the Greek had four different words for love that had four different meanings, but I want to focus on the two that we see here. Now see, when Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He actually in the Greek says, do you agape me? Now agape is this selfless, this, this just sacrificial love. It's the word that's used in the Bible to describe Jesus going to the cross. So Jesus is actually asking Peter, he's saying, do you love me enough to lay down your life for me? Now, here's the interesting thing. Peter's responses in this are filio, which in the Greek means a a brotherly love. A brotherly love, kind of like how we love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, right? It's not a romantic love. It's a a brotherly love. But it's interesting that when you do a a little deep dive into this, you see that Jesus is basically saying, do you love me selfishly enough to die for me? And Peter's saying, well, I love you like a brother. Here's my point. Jesus met Peter right where he was. And even though Peter wasn't necessarily answering the question in the way Jesus probably would have liked him to answer the question, his heart was in the right place. See, we don't have to have all of the answers. We don't always have to have the right answer. Jesus will welcome you back anyway. And see, Jesus just met him right where he was. Even though he would have preferred, right, that Peter answered, yes, I love you, agape. It didn't happen that way, but it was okay because Jesus met him right where he was. See, our love for Jesus is proven by our life for Jesus. And we know that Peter goes on to do some amazing things, right? He does some amazing things for the kingdom. And he ends up up at the end of Peter's story, he ends up martyring himself, right? He ends up dying for the cause, so to speak. His life defined who he was. His life defined his connection to Jesus, not the mistake that he made. And it was a mistake, no doubt. Peter had a bad day, right? When he denied Christ three times, Peter had a bad day. But guess what? You and I have bad days, too. Right? We have days where we're not the father we'd like to be. We're not the mother we'd like to be. We're not the husband or wife we'd like to be. We're not the son or daughter that we'd like to be. But because of the hope that we have in our resurrected Savior, it's okay. Because those relationships can be restored. And most importantly, our relationship to Jesus can be restored. See, it's all about an invitation and a call to action. See, Jesus was inviting Peter back but he's also given him a directive. He's basically saying, look, Peter, you and me are good, but here's what I need you to do for me. I need you to go out and feed my sheep. I need you to go out and care for my sheep. I need you to go out and tell others about me. See, Peter's actions and Peter's love for Jesus tell the story. It tells the story of how relationships can be restored. See, here's what I want you to feel this morning. There is nothing that our God can't do. And we talked a little bit about that last week, right? Because Jesus overcame the grave. There's nothing that our God can't do. And we have hope because anything is possible. I want you to think about the fact that there's no disappointment, no discouragement that can separate me from the love of God. Sometimes we we make mistakes. And, And sometimes we feel like I've just made so many mistakes that there's no way that Jesus still loves me. Well, guess what? That's not Jesus talking. Because Jesus does love you, despite your broken relationships, despite your mistakes, despite your bad days. He still loves you. And that's that hope that we have as Christians. That's that hope that helps us get out of bed in the morning. Because there's nothing that you can do to make God love you any less. He may not like the things that you do, but he doesn't love you any less. And that's what this whole idea of Easter and this whole idea of the resurrection reminds us of. I want you to reflect on ways that you've neglected to love and honor God. Confess those things to God. Give it to Jesus and let his overpowering, overwhelming love wipe those things away because that's exactly what he wants. He doesn't get upset with you for making a mistake, but he wants you to say, yes, God, I know I messed up because, because I'm a sinner. I, I messed up because I'm human. I, I messed up today, and I understand that, but God, I want to do better tomorrow. And please forgive me of these mistakes that I've made. See, if you truly love him, you'll accept his invitation. If you truly love Jesus, you won't let your past define you. You won't let your mistakes define you. You won't let your broken relationships define you. Instead, you will let God define you as a son or a daughter of the one true king. And I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you've never accepted that invitation. Maybe you've never accepted that invitation to have all of those things that have happened in your past wiped away. You have an opportunity in just a moment when Brandon comes forward to sing, and I'm going to ask our elders to come down front. You have an opportunity to be baptized, to have all of those sins and all of those mistakes and all of that brokenness taken away this morning, and you can walk out those doors as a brand new person in Christ. Or maybe, maybe you've been a Christian your whole life, but but you, you you've just you feel like you've made too many mistakes. You feel like that there's just no coming back from my past. I want to tell you this morning that God will forget about all of that. And if you need to come forward and you need to talk to us about that, you want to pray with, pray with us, you would like us to pray for you. Or if you're more comfortable, you can come down after services. We'd be more than happy to pray with you. We'd be more than happy to talk to you. We'll help you in any way that we can as we sing the next song. The love of God within the heart
2: of kindliness and won't depart. The soul will glow like Jesus in his tender mercy. If the heart is made his dwelling place, the love of God flows like a flame. Windless years it is the same. The love of God will never fail to no lose his glory. Till we see him face to face While his love burns true and bright We are walking in the light He has shown us the road We his glory must reflect Lest our dimness and neglect Keep some soul from its God The love of God within the heart Kindliness And warmth part The soul will Like Jesus In his tender mercy If the heart is made His dwelling Place the love of God Like a flame when endless years It is the same The love of God Will never fail his glory.